Hey, Marcus, do you like movies? Yes, I do. Hey, Sloan, do you like movies? I love movies. Love, that's a strong word. And, and, <laughs> but we like love. I love love. I think emotions are great. Uh, I, in therapy, sometimes my therapist has me look at this double-sided sheet of all the emotions. There's, there's a lot, and we're still coming up with more. Yeah. I tried to yeah. make them at home, and it wasn't the same. <laughs> this is this is uh, zebras in America. Speaking uh, of love, I'll, I'll be engaged by the time this episode airs. So this, so it's, it's totally, it's it's cool. Yeah, yeah, right. I didn't say that. Well, what, when awesome. when are you when when are you? So this episode Friday. will be out on Friday. Yeah, and you're going to propose on Friday. Yes, I am. I mean, in Mexico. Oh my gosh. That's wonderful. Yeah, Marcus so is. Marcus's yeah. beloved is a lovely young woman. She is. And uh, uh, it's been nice to get to know her and it's been really, really a great support for you in this uh, trying time. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, she's great. And her mother is a big awesome. supporter of this show. She, I, she share, You're not on Facebook, but her mom share. Anytime I share our episodes on Facebook, she always shares them uh, as well. So. Well, we should have her on the podcast. She's excited. She's still waiting. She's. I told her that there's a line, but she. There she's is in a it. line. She's um, in it. My my mom wants to be on the podcast too. Yeah. She's like, I figured out how to listen to it. Okay. Uh, and uh, and she, I didn't want. Podcast. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is Zebras in America. Yes. A podcast about film, amongst other things. Yeah. And uh, we are really blessed today to have Sloan Leung, who is a writer, cartoonist, artist, who uh, creates work that is vivid, colorful, and vibrant. The work I'm most familiar with is Prism Stalker, which deals with identity, oppression, imperialism, relationship, sentience, amongst other things, in a psychedelic backdrop. And when... You know, when I saw that you that you were enjoying our podcast, which was independent of the fact that my friend had put me onto your comic book, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, that's tight. Awesome. I, you know, and so I just asked you if you wanted to be on the podcast because because yes. why not? Yeah. You know, I yeah, like yeah. I like having people on the show who aren't necessarily in the film world, but also like comic books growing up. Those were the dopest films sometimes because like mm. Prism Stalker is like a billion dollar movie, <laughs> you know, because with all sure. the colors and the anthropomorphic characters and, yeah. you know, it's There'd be a lot of CGI happening, like all CGI or, or arguably claymation. You could do claymation, claymation. maybe or, yeah. or lots of CGI or like a. Mm -hmm. Life aquatic style see, uh, claymation mixed with live action. Oh yeah, yeah, a mixed media type situation. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, uh, for sure. Fun fact: me and me and Marcus were once in a trivia team about film. Mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. And yeah, yes, I am oh, bringing man. this up. And we we <laughs> won almost every time. People did mm -hmm. not care for us. Not mo not so much because of me and Marcus. But that we had some friends that were very loud. Yeah. It was a group of six. Well, rotating. There were more than six, but you could six to a team. And some people were just loud, but we were having a good time. We were just having so. a good time. We were trying to get people excited about bodybuilding. You're gonna talk about my yeah. my, my MacGruber moment. Yeah, so there was a there was a MacGruber moment once. Cause I don't like to talk about the trivia on, on the podcast that much because that was like just a fun thing. But one time one of the questions on a week that we lost, so this question really mattered was name 
two animated films that Bill Murray is in. And we mm-hmm. and we said Osmosis Jones and The Life Aquatic. And the okay. guy and the guy said that the correct answer was actually Garfield and Osmosis Osmos. Jones. No, no. Oh. Or or Space no, we, Jam. Space Jam. Space Jam, right. Excuse me. Right. Right. Um, uh, okay. Right. And Space Jam is a great movie and they're making a sequel with LeBron James. I hope yeah. it's I hope it's fun. Mm. I hope they I hope they do their website similar to how the Space Jam website that's still up goes is going sort of like what they did with the Captain Marvel website to make it 90s style. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. And and Marcus uh, ardently thought that we should still get the point because Life Aquatic, Life Aquatic had an animation unit. Like, it's in the credits of the movie. Mm. And they refused to give us the point. They were just like, no, it's not an animated... I know... But if you're going to count Space Jam, that's a mix of animation and real life, just like Life yeah. Aquatic. Yeah. There's, it's, it's, mm-hmm. yeah. And then has it bugged award? me. It, I mean, it, it's bugging it, me now. I hadn't, I haven't thought of, I was doing good and then you brought it back up. It's still kind of annoying <laughs> me. I, you know, I just, I wanted you to think about, I wanted you to think about it, you know, sometimes to get your mind off of other, other, other hurt, hurt things, you bring up something different. Like, That's a good point. Well, like, it just worked just now. Yeah, like when some, like when someone's, <laughs> like, like all, in the movies when people get have like dislocate their shoulders, sometimes someone will get a smack in the face to not right. think about the, the, yeah, ah! yeah. which which, yeah. you know. Oh, I just I just heard a great joke. Do y'all want to hear it? Please. Have you have you heard about have you heard about Pavlov? No. It rings a bell. <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so do you, do you want to talk a little bit about Prism Stalker? Yeah, I can for sure. I think it's um, really and it it started with an ambient music soundtrack, right? Yeah, yeah. My friend Riley, um, her like, perf- like her per- musician's name is Neo Tanomi. Yeah. Um, and she does really cool music. So, yeah, there's, like, a small, like, little score that goes with each issue. Which is so um, cool, by the way. Yeah, she's amazing, and she totally nailed down, like, how the world felt, which mm-hmm. is, like, everything is, like, a throbbing, like, pulsating, uh, living, biological, you know, organic matter, and, like, twinkling crystals everywhere. So, yeah, it's super, it's super perfect. Um yeah, Prism Stalker is about this girl um, in alternate, like, non-human universe. She looks human, but um, she gets recruited to be part of this uh, military academy that is helping um, colonize a sentient planet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just finished the first arc last year, and there's going to be four more volumes of it. Nice. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it's about... Um, colonization, obviously, but, like, from, like, a macro scale, but also a micro scale of how that works, um, like, how imperialism and, uh, just, like, different cultural hierarchies come into play in shaping who you are. So, she was taken really young from, from, like, her home world, so she doesn't know her, like, home language, and she can't communicate with, like, her parents or her elders. Um... And through the beginning of this, like, first volume, she's kind of 
getting into this like military training which has a lot to do with like psychic like telekinetic like kind of magical girl-ish um attacks so a lot of it has to do with externalizing memories and experiences um and that's something that's specific to this planet that they're trying to colonize so yeah yeah there's there's that there's a little scene in i think the second episode where the main character has like has a necklace Mm-hmm. And it's taken off, and it's like this is too spiritual, or this is too, you know, like yeah. Mm-hmm. And it it reminded me of this fans fan an article I was reading about the the myriad ways how colonialism and imperialism takes away people's identity in in both micro and macro levels. That right. that something that could seem as, you know, small as taking away someone's necklace. Right. That's actually huge. Yeah, and it's like, there's so many things that happen, like um, the way that the people um, around her who are in power shape the narrative of her past and Mm -hmm. her people. So to her at this point, like her family and her ancestors, to her, they kind of look like victims. And so, you know, as a younger person, like, what is it, the person in general, like, you don't want to empathize or be like, you're not proud of how your people were, like, defeated or whatever, you know, there's a lot of trauma and you don't want to, like, associate yourself with that, so you begin identifying with your oppressor, because that's what everyone wants is a little bit of power, they want autonomy, and so when you come from people that don't have that, you know, and they start shaping the way you view them, then that's another way, another very, like, poisonous way to kind of control people right because there's there's assimilation accommodation different like there that that even goes into like cultural psychology Mm -hmm. about how about how people assimilate into cultures that that they become a part of which can be because of just moving to some place or because of being part of or being forced to be part of a situation Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I really dug how you how you delved into that. And yeah, I really I really like the comic book. I think it's I think it's really cool that we get to talk today. Cause, oh thanks. Because I enjoyed you it. liked it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I wanna jump yeah, I, I enjoyed it too. I wanna there's not much of a segue, but when you talked about the score to the film and you started talking about the actual planet which in itself, not to sound so cliche, is kind of a character unto itself. But yeah, at yeah. all, uh, and it's fine if you're not, but were you at all, was there any hint of, like, Stein's Law Lem at all? Uh, you know, the guy, he wrote Solaris, um, like like the book. Not, not not even so much the movie, because this, I mean, visually and story-wise, it's not nothing really like the movie, mm-hmm. but just the idea of an intelligent planet. Was that yeah. was there anything? Uh, um, I guess I didn't know if you're familiar with so- yeah, so Solaris, like, slightly, mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of cool. To me, that's always been, like, a, it, like the planet was always, like, a reflection of, like, the humans, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of took, like, um, like a big inspiration for me was Cronenberg and Octavia Butler with the world. Awesome. Um, so, like, Cronenberg for me is, like, um, just, like, biopunk, like, the body overpowering the mind and, like even like object organic matter also just like being its own being and being sentient like i always thought that was super cool yeah it's funny because i remember 
in prepping for the show, like one of the one of your lists of uh, oh, there you go. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Scott's showing uh. Xenogenesis. Xenogenesis. Yeah. Uh, and I purposely bought it, bought this version because of this cover. Yeah. Because, like, not, like, Parable of the Sower, the covers of those books are, like, okay. But I just, I love the life in this, in this cover. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, um, no, I was saying, I was excited when you brought up uh, Existence, because, like, I'm a big Cronenberg fan, and that's, I mean, I love him unconditionally, but I feel like that's actually one of his last few great films. Um, mm. And I was one of those people, too. Like, by the time, you know, Existence came out at, like, an awkward time. It was, like, kind of on the hill, heels of The Matrix. So uh-huh. a lot of people... I remember when I was coming up, I was still in... It was between my high school and my freshman year of college. A lot of people who weren't in the know on Cronenberg wrote that off as, like, a, like a, like a Matrix knockoff. But it's just kind of oh, like... Oh, really? Okay. Oh, I definitely... Yeah, like in, in the late, late 90s, in 99, when that movie came out, like a lot of people, uh-huh. you know, you know, felt that. So I like, I like you know... But yeah, but exactly. Like the organic forms of... I mean, I guess my mind was influenced prior to that, but I was reading your comic and I already knew that you were a fan of Existence. So I was like, oh yeah, like the... the, the 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 I call them the little switches, not like, like the like the Nintendo uh, the the handheld <laughs> controllers that they had in Existence. Yeah, the flesh are unlike any you know controller you know. So yeah. It kind of so I so I get that now. So hearing you say that out loud, it makes a lot of sense because the planet in yeah. a way does kind of remind me subconsciously kind of reminds me of of the controllers, the biopods rather in in, in Existence. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, also, I was like. You know, I was reading it and I was like getting vibes of like Power Masters and Finder, Inkle, Valerian. But oh, I was gonna say the Inkle too. Like that's what. So Scott's the the comic guy out out of the two of us. But there's little there's little nuggets of things you know that I get here and there. And I, I was gonna chick, say that, chick, but I almost chicken, didn't. Chicken chicken nuggets. Chicken nuggets. Oh, I could go for something now. But I didn't. I, I felt like as a not. Comic, per- I didn't want to sound corny and say the inkle because I feel like that's something someone with me would say in a conversation with two folks who are a lot more knowledgeable about the subject than me. But yeah, is is bringing, yeah, I mean, is bringing up it's so omnipresent in, mm-hmm. in like most cartoonists' work the Mobius influence. So yeah, um, I he his so I love his work, but I don't like. It's hard because I can't I can't draw like him and I don't want to like I just ha- don't have clean work like him. I'm not precise like I'm more about gesture and texture mm. and like sure. the imperfection of my own hand. Um, but I really like this other French cartoonist who is like contemporary with him. His name is Philip Drulet, mm-hmm. um, and he's got some really crazy like awesome like space like medieval space lords. Um, He's really cool. Like he has, well, he actually has a comic called Lone Sloan. Um, I think he has one called Salambo. Mm-hmm. Um, but his work is also like hyper colorful. Um, so he was like a really big inspiration for sure. We're looking at some images yeah, we're right looking now, right as, now. You, as, as you speak. That I, I don't know this guy. Looks great. He's cool, right? Yeah. For some reason, I thought you were bringing up like the Manga Nouvelle guy, but this is not that guy. This is beautiful. I'm, I'm, oh, what's that, what's that Sean Connery movie that he left James Bond to do? Directed by the guy that did, uh. Oh, you're talking about Zardos? Zardos, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Zardos. 
huge inspiration. Uh, nice. <laughs> uh, is, is that JK, no JK, or? No, I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking. I mean, <laughs> well, it's hard to say because that movie has, bold a, has outfit a... choices. Yes, I'm right, for it, right. but yeah. yeah, it's hard to say because that movie has, has like a legit cult following, and then there's people mm. who like it because it's the whole oh, it's so bad, it's good, and then there's people who mm-hmm. hate it. So it's kind of broken up into three categories. I, so that, that's one of the uh, movies that's hard to tell if someone really likes it or not. I like it. Uh, I like it from a visual place. Mm. Like I, I like watching that movie, but I can't say I like that movie. You know what sure, I mean? Sure, sure, sure. Like that's a movie that I'll. If I'm trying to get inspiration or I'm writing a paper, I'll put that on and then put on some other music. Nice. Right. Um, it's fun. It's a fun watch. Yeah. So what are what are some of your favorite movies? Favorite movies? Um, I really like Simon Liang's work. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Like the whole, I like Tony Scott. I feel like Man on Rest Fire is the movie I've seen the most. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's he's a guy who, you know, I mean, because the Scott brothers, but he, there was definitely, like, Ridley Scott definitely got brought up more. So it's, you don't often hear Tony Scott brought up, like, on a favorite favorites list. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, man yeah, on Yeah, like, his, I love the way he works with color and pacing. And, like, Man on Fire is, like, one of my favorites because it's, like, so frenetic visually. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. And it's something that I vibe with with my own art, I feel like. So... Yeah. Are you a fan of the Last Boy Scout by chance? Uh, um, the not the sure. oh, it was the Tony Scott movie. It was the it was his. I I was gonna call it a football movie. It's with Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans. It's barely it's barely oh, wow. a it's barely a football film. Actually. Yeah, I, I don't know. Why I was gonna call, yeah, you you would really enjoy that. It's a it, it came out. It, it's totally the Ebony and Ivory buddy cop kind of like movie but really? it's 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 but it, it's quietly brutal i mean that's not another thing not about his quietly movies. brutal it's like pretty... tony scott's movies are very brutal and uh-huh. the last boy scott is is, is is an example of that i i would i'd highly uh-huh. if, if you have like a watch queue i would put if and if you like tony scott i'd put that up, also, up on your list and also written yeah. by shane, written by shane black right okay. oh right mm-hmm. duh right 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 um right, right. so my my favorite tony scott movies which which were made uh chrono- chronologically are is well is uh domino and deja vu mm-hmm. deja vu yeah, yeah. deja vu is such a weird sci-fi movie yeah yeah it's like it was when it was when denzel washington was coming out with a movie where he was a forlorn dude with with a questionable past like every year You're right mm-hmm. i mean that's like pretty much on that's pretty much his mo like if you look at the book of the book of Eli, book of Eli. Forlorn, forlorn guy with with a mm. with a past uh, inside equalizer inside man. Um, we're forgetting training we're day. Forgetting. Uh, yeah, that, that, yeah. Man on fire, deja yeah. vu. Like yeah. he's always yeah. this, he's always this guy who's like um, oh the uh, oh, the airplane movie. Mm-hmm. No, sure, sure, flight, flight. Love that movie. He's oh, always right. he's always this forlorn dude. Who figures? You know, who's got to figure out the moral path? But deja, deja vu. Spoiler warning: halfway through the movie, it's like, oh shit, this is a time travel movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Have you seen the new the new Serenity Matthew McConaughey movie? No, but my parents saw it and they're pissed. <laughs> I can. I, and they called me. They're like, "Don't see this movie." <laughs> did they tell you this? Did they tell you the twist? 
They did tell me the twist, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler, he's in a video game helping his <laughs> helping his son figure out how to kill his stepdad. I I, legit, I kinda wanna see this movie. It's dope yeah. in its own way. And Armand White loved okay. it, which but I'll I mean Armand White surprisingly did not care for glass. See, and so that, but and that's with a movie like Glass is fifty fifty. It's hard to predict what Armand White would feel about that. Well, movie. Uh, well, I know yeah. why because because he was compared to Spielberg when he first came out, uh-huh. and Armand White just loves Spielberg. Oh well, so there you go. yeah. Um, but um, do you, but it, yeah, Deja. Yeah, De- I feel like. Sorry, oh, you were saying ahead. no, please. Oh, I was just saying like I feel like Tony Scott has all my favorite Denzel movies. Like, I love Crimson Tide, Deja Vu, Man of Fire. Like, those might be my favorite Denzel movies. Nice. Did you ever hear the... the top five. Did you ever hear the Denzel Crimson Tide story between him and Tarantino? No. Tarantino, I'm not sure. Maybe. Tarantino kind of, like, ghostly worked on the script to Crimson Tide, so he, like, visited mm-hmm. the set... And then Denzel mm-hmm. Washington confronted him about his use of the N-word in, in, in his first two movies because Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction uh-huh. came out at the time. And it was this like, this was like before the internet age. So yeah, this was like, I don't know, 94 90, right. or 95. So and, it was just and, like a rumor, but it was like like Gene Hackman kind of talked about it. In the, it was like this whole thing. And they had this uh-huh. like quick little like, I don't want to call it a blow up, but it was like an argument on set. Right. And this was, you know, Denzel is like, Spike Lee's boy, and this was at the time when Spike Lee and Tarantino did not get along. Then they got along again for a second because Tarantino's in Girl Six, and they stopped liking each other again. But yeah, so mm-hmm. whenever I, mean, I think of Crimson Tide, I always think of that story. Yeah. Also, yeah. like I would be like, "Yo, why you like using that word so much?" I, yeah. I understand. I mean, as much as a white cis hetero dude can, I'm just like, "Why? What's going on?" Yeah. Also. You know, and I guess they were working because because Minton Marinino wrote True Romance. Yeah, Tony yeah. Scott, I I did not realize how many slappers he has because like the 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 yeah, fan yeah. the fan was pretty good. Fan was great. The fan was great. Top Gun, people like. I'm okay with it. They're making a sequel. The Hunger. The Hunger. Hunger Beverly Hills awesome. Cop Two. Yeah, that's um, the best one. That's the best one. That's the best, Bever- the best. It's one. the best Beverly Hills Cop. No question. Yeah. I was telling you the other day that I rewatched Fletch. Yeah. And it has the same soundtrack pretty much as Beverly Hills Cop. Right. But the tone the tone is a little different. Yeah. So like like when Fletch is walking around but you got that sort of thing is like super funny. Um yeah, I didn't realize how many great movies he directed. Um Cause yeah, like the fan. I really liked that movie as a kid. Enemy of the State, um, and but Deja Vu, man. Cause like that was like saw that in the theater. I saw I, and Jim like oh, that's cool. Jim Caviezel could not get a break after playing Jesus. I guess. <laughs> there were other stuff too. He he had Jim Caviezel had like weird demands in his contract really? before he was like he was one of the first guy. He didn't do. He wasn't like. In his contracts, like he doesn't do like romance scenes because of but like, he was his, in that movie with J Lo. Yeah, but they didn't have like they didn't like fully get it on. He had a lot of like just weird requests in his but, movies before, I mean, and people was like, "Who are you?" And, like, and that kind of stunned him a little bit. To be, to be fair, um, Jet Li wouldn't do kissing scenes in Romeo Must Die because mm-hmm. he was like, in my culture, it would be inappropriate to to kiss someone that soon after the passing of a. 
of a of an end of a parent. Right. Wow. And I was like, uh, okay. Or he was just like <coughs> defending the fact that like Asian people weren't allowed to kiss non Asian people in movies. You know that brings for a up very long time. Well, that opens up a whole thing because on the flip side, when that movie came out. It opened up this whole dialogue about how like Asian American, Asian men or Asian American, whoever, especially like a Jet Li, would kick ass, do all this alpha male stuff, but like never got the woman. But like yeah. white guys always got the woman, you know. Like and it, but like you know, but pe- pe- people of color. And it, so that's, I never knew that. I, I was always on the bandwagon. Like, no, it's true. It's just like they'll do all the action stuff, but can't score, you know, the lady like any traditional le- uh, leading man does. But I didn't know that, but that's very interesting. I didn't know that. Was, was Harold and Kumar like the film that broke the, that I broke possibly, the spell? Possibly. That film series is so accidentally uh, transgressive, subversive, and on the pulse of like, you know, progre- being progressive. I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah. What, um, but talk also talk to us about Cronenberg because you mentioned him by name, so I'm wondering. And you you earlier you know before we started recording, you had mentioned Existence by name. But is it just that film, or is it just him in general? Are you? Are, uh, I mean, it's him in general. There's nice. like a lot of things I like about his work. Like, um, it's hard. Like I love Deadbringers. I think he's like super insightful yeah. with like characters, and they're like personal like neuroses and paranoias yeah right and i find him very like genuine with how he approaches his characters which is funny because he's also like extremely brutal with them as well mm-hmm. um so i really like that aspect um i mean yeah i like a lot of like i like the brood scanners is awesome scanners is great yeah are you now um, as as a comic artist cartoonist yourself <clears throat> do you ever feel like his name doesn't get brought up like when it's time because you know he did history of violence but like when it's time for the big comic or the big graphic novel you're the next one to be adapted on film these days you know it's like villeneuve because he's doing dude but like villeneuve gets brought up or like refin because yeah. for a second refin was going to do the inkle and all this stuff but like do you feel like cronenberg i, I sometimes feel like cronenberg i you know i'm speaking pretty vaguely uh, he's someone he, who, who could handle like yeah a graphic novel or a co- you know Refn was set to do it and there were copyright issues right 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 right. but I just think Cronenberg is like a name between like Existence and just his visual th- thematic uh, you know I think I, I think he would do great if he was allowed to do a movie a hero superhero movie 90s style sure but I don't sure. I don't what, what would he do in Marvel what would he do in DC? Oh, I wasn't even talking about. Although I feel like the DC universe might suit. I was talking just more like kind of like an alternative type thing, like what on those do, rare occasions when like he an do image with, or a dark horse. What would gets, he do with Prism Stalkers? Would, would that that would be funny? That would be cool. Yeah. That what would, be would cool. that? That that would yeah. That 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 I would mean, be like his biggest. Yeah, project, doing probably. his own cover of like Akira, I feel like would be cool. Oh shit! Wow. You know. Wow. Um. Yeah, I feel like there's not a lot of extremely graphic like body horror in like american comics so yeah his name i don't feel like he gets brought up too much but yeah but i know a lot of like manga that he'd be great at covering um Mm -hmm. as a movie (laughs) sure like like what Mm, oh god there's like a lot um uh, shintaro kago draws a lot of scary disturbing um body horror comics 
um, Suahiro Maruo. He has like kind of like a vampiric body horror thing in his comics. Um, well, I'm not sure. There's this. There's a. Mm, I'm trying to think of this other dude. Oh, well, like, have you read Drifting Classroom at all? I bet he could do something really good hmm. with that. I don't feel like... It, well, I guess The Brood kind of has, like, scary kids. Um, Drifting Classroom is about this, like, school in Japan. It's like a kindergarten that gets displaced into this, like, hell planet world. Oh. Oh. And there's, like, a two adults left, but the kids are, like, going, like, full, like, Lord of the Flies, like, freaking out. They can't leave this, like, school because everything else is, like, wasteland. Um, and they start like crucifying each other and like uh, yeah it's pretty crazy oh it sounds Children of the Cornish yeah I don't even what, yeah. what is this called again? Um, Drifting Classroom yeah I need to check this out yesterday and um it's very, it's very cool yeah I always love this like the brood just loosely based on a true story because like you know about Cronenberg's first wife his ex-wife uh no tell me oh it inspired this whole movie it, like this little thing so David Cronenberg's first wife uh, decided to join it. They they had like, uh, they they weren't officially divorced, but they had separated. She went and joined what was essentially a cult, and then she mm-hmm. called him. You know, one morning she was just like, "So I'm I'm officially done with you. I'm gonna go off and live with this cult. Uh, but I'm gonna take you know uh, our daughter with us, and that's that." And like hung up the phone. Mm. So it was just like they both raced to the school at the same time to like. And he got there first and, like, got his daughter and was there before his wife got there and pulled her out. Mm-hmm. And that, which is essentially the story of the brood, because it's about this guy, oh, his wow. wife joins a cult, and then these, mm-hmm. you know, evil little children go crazy. But, yeah, that's um, <laughs> as crazy and out there as as that movie is. It's based on, like, really real, you know, stuff. Right. And yeah, hi- yeah. And History of Violence was based off of a comic book, but, a, it was, yeah. but it was, like, barely... it. It only really is based off of the first half of that comic book. Mm. Is it? Like, what else? See, because I don't know. Yeah, it's vastly... The, the second half of the comic book is vastly different from the movie. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. But, yeah, I, uh, as Sloan, as you bring up the body horror stuff, I'm like, oh, this wouldn't happen, but I could see him directing Cyborg, you know? It, it, oh, okay, yeah. Right? Like, if, But, I mean, it's not going to happen because they're, they're going to make... You know, like a a two hundred million dollar movie that's gonna yeah. that's gonna make a billion dollars. <laughs> that's that people yeah. will probably complain about because superhero movies now, if they don't star white dudes, people get really pissed off about. Which yeah. is which is indicative of a white supremacist culture, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he doesn't need to be exposed to the poisonous world of superhero movies at all <laughs> yeah as, um, as he had a, his chance he was offered Empire Strikes Back or in, in Cronenberg in his early right. stages and he said mm. no he was offered Ferris Bueller's Day Off too but he was like why me <laughs> um, but yeah. really that, no 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 it's a true story yeah I, I mean I'd, I'd love to see him do like a comedy but I don't know if he wants to right. yeah I mean he hasn't done a movie in a minute or as as a like what what has your experience been with comic book fans mm. with comic book fans like fans of mine or just like people who read comics in general both yeah however however oh. you interpret the conversation sure um 
well, my readers are very, uh, very diverse, like surprisingly, um, there's like a lot of old white guys that come to the conventions to see me. That's me. And then a lot, yeah, <laughs> it's you, I saw you, um, <laughs> no, but I'm talking like old, like real old that, uh. that like, I don't even know, cause my work isn't very like, it's not in the tradition of like superhero comics and how it looks no. or moves. So I'm like, why do you like this? And like, they'll get me to, they'll like commission me to draw like their favorite X Men. And I'm like, all right. Huh. And I'm like, I don't know why you're here. <laughs> mm. Like, they don't read anything else that's close to what I do. And I'm, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's cool. And I can get like young, like, like women of color that read it. Like, that's super cool to me that they relate. Um, comic readers in general. It's kind of hard. Um, mm, they're fine. Like, I don't know. Most, well, in like America, you know, it's super, just like superheroes. You, there's a strong, strong audience there. There's a manga scene. Um, for indie cartoonists, it's a little, the scene is a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, I feel like they don't overlap that much. So, yeah. Okay. Because, like, your your comic has a real, like, sci-fi feel to it. Mm-hmm. And so, and, like, sci-fi comics actually, like, aren't super huge, I noticed, in, in America. Like, there's... Yeah. They're usually just, like, set... Like, if, a, if something's marketed as, like, a sci-fi comic, it's usually just, like, set dressing for a thriller or a mystery or a romance crime comic you know it's just the background um right like the closest thing that i that i've read in style to yours which i which i still think is like vastly different is that recently is profit i guess yeah yeah profit is really cool for sure because like when i read that i was like oh and when i read that and i read prism soccer i'm like Oh man, why don't people make movies or cartoons like this? Because this is the world. I want to just, I just want to like hug this. I want <laughs> you know, and yeah. What I like about your comic is the art style that it feels very human. It feels like you drew it, and mm. and like it has like that all like the like some of the the style like reading ElfQuest as a kid or like. Reading manga, reading manga where the the pencil the pencil marks still feel part of it. Mm-hmm. It feels like yeah, yeah. touching a more living document. Yeah, totally. Which I which uh, I sorry you were saying. Oh no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, but I mean I need to be cut off sometimes because if not, I'll just continue <laughs> talking forever. Um, yeah, I was just gonna say, like, that's, like, my favorite thing about comics is, like, it's such a dense, like, synthesis of a person's perspective. Like, not all, especially when the person is, like, a writer and the artist. You have someone that's, like, this is purely them, like, they've synthesized the story down to, like, panel by panel, shot by shot, with each composition, like, planned out. And you can, and how they draw it, like, there's so much so many layers happening mm. uh, and I think that's super cool um, and like that, I think that's also like what my favorite movies have in common is they just have their own personal logic 
that only the director or whoever created it um, could embed into the story, you know? Yeah, that that's why I like the Wachowskis so much. Because mm-hmm. even though they're, like, I don't, like, all of their movies probably since The Matrix have been a mess. Mm-hmm. Inarguably. <laughs> but there, there is, like, each one has its own world and logic, and they're just going for it. Yeah, I they're, mean, like, mad respect for turning Channing Tatum into, like, a dog man. Yeah. Like, I gotta, I gotta give him respect for that, like. I I liked Jupiter Ascending. I wouldn't say I loved Jupiter Ascending, but I liked Jupiter Ascending. Who else is going to get money to make like a 10 minute like space DMV scene? Like, yeah, they literally did that. No one. They did that. (laughs) That probably that cost a lot of money. And they're just at the DMV. Just get an idea. Also, one of like I consider that a disaster piece. And one of one of my favorite disaster pieces is Southland Tales, okay. uh, which was the follow up to Donnie Darko by what's his face Richard Kelly, who okay. who wrote Domino, directed right. by Tony Scott, mm-hmm. loosely based off a real life story of a model turned um, turned turned bounty hunter, starring hmm. okay. Keira Knightley. So Tony, oh, okay. to, Tony Scott was also a guy that was like, yeah, I'm going for it. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and what other movies with internal logic? Uh, off record, you said that you just saw Alita. Did you, do, did you enjoy it? Yeah, uh, yeah. I got a lot of feelings about that. Um, I had fun, but I went into it with, I tried to go in with it with like no expectations. Because the comic book is my old, one of my all-time favorite comic books. Like oh, top so like three, top, top three. Okay, so that's a big. Yeah. That's big. Yeah, yeah. Like I can reread it anytime, and I'm like, just as in love with it as I was when I first read it. Yes. Um, so I was like, there's no way I can live up to my personal like emotional baggage. Um, so I thought it was like entertaining. Like, what's his name? Like James Cameron, like clearly didn't care about the world. Like he just wanted to do the fight scenes, which are really cool so Mm. the fights are awesome um but the story the story is so much about like so it's like it was made in like the 80s 90s the comic and there's so much cool stuff that is kind of the source material for a lot of science fiction and it's hard to like take that material that was cool then and not make it and make it now and not have it feel like really just like outdated and like yeah like we've had like cyborg movies already like this isn't anything new um so they tried to make it more of like a a romantic thing um and like the world is not as gritty as it should be like people look like they're on vacation there when it should be like everyone is literally killing everyone constantly (laughs) oh Um, shit that sounds that sounds scary yeah yeah um so yeah the comic is like incredible this movie was not i think like one out of ten like three and that's just because the fight scenes were good um but it totally misses the whole theme of um what it means to be human what it means to have a body what it means to have memories and if your memories make who you are if your past makes who you are like it doesn't touch any of that um it's just like ooh, she's she's cute and now she's strong because she's got a strong robot body and Mm. yay and like yeah so 
yeah, it was not great, but so I, I still I, got feelings, okay? I still got feelings because I still like Lita, so... But my recommendation is just read the comic. Like, don't bother. Don't bother sticking with me. I was going to say, I have a question for both of you. As, you know, comic readers, do you feel like when adapting something for the screen, whether it be big screen or small screen, it's just better to do it in parts instead of try to get it all in one movie? Because I, I, what, what little bit I do know, and I started reading into this more after I saw Iron Man 2, it's just like, you know, certain villains and certain storylines within one movie are like an amalgamation of multiple things. Don't, but do you feel like it just works better when something is like a four, like a four-parter or an eight-parter instead of just like, oh, let's make one two-hour movie you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. yeah. I think that's why I, mean, I like the uh, the Netflix series, uh, just because it's just like it, it's a story that's kind of spread out. It, it's some are right. be- some some of these Netflix shows are much better than others, but generally they yeah. all have the right idea. I like the idea of like, you know, just just t- taking a story taking its time, basically. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it depends because there's stuff like, especially with superhero comics, so much of it was made like just to put material out every week so i'm like it's not all worth redoing just because people remember it and are nostalgic for it Mm. um but i mean they try to do that because they're like oh like this little scene like this character moment like people are gonna remember that but it's like okay but that's like not i don't know it's gonna fit into the narrative you're trying to put in this movie and like i don't know i feel like when people do covers of comics like this like i wish they would just take certain themes or certain like hone into like a single character and mm. try and do their best adapting it like as well as possible or just do your own thing like mm. just do your own version of it because yeah there's so much that comics does with like time and how a reader participates in the comic that it's just not it's not like a storyboard that you can translate perfectly to film so yeah Right, I don't like, know, what do you think of that? Uh, well, I think, like, yeah, like, one thing that's magical about reading a comic book on a monthly basis is there's, like, is that you have these little hits of that drug, of of that story, and uh, you have, like, there's floating timelines, and there's all this magic that really can't be directly translated and I don't. I think most comics that are direct translations in movies are boring. And mm-hmm. I'm just. I. I don't know. I'm just sort of. I'm sort of just like over it. The fact that, the fact yeah. that I'm not excited about stuff, mm. disappoints me because enthusiasm keeps me going. Um, yeah. Yeah. So then. So then I end up really liking a film like Glass, which is not necessarily a remarkable film. But because, like, superhero movies, like, the past year have just been so whatever to me or just, like, okay, that it's yeah. just, like, mm-hmm. like let's just watch rewatch the movie Dark City or, like, mm-hmm. or just have Dark a good City. time. Or, and, then, yeah. and, then, and then movies that do try, superhero movies that do try to do something different or comic book movies like Valerian or something are are maligned for for being a mess but mm. but, but sometimes like i don't know i i, I like messes mm-hmm. you know and and when at least something with like a strong point of view no matter how like messed up or like right. nonsensical it is like at least that is has a little like gumption like mm-hmm. it has a little force of will behind it 
Whereas I feel like most superhero movies now are just checking boxes because they want to make as much money as possible. And, like, they're fine. Like, I don't really care about Captain Marvel. It looks boring. Like, no matter how much, like, fire you, like, make her spew out of her hands, like, I'm like, yeah, I've seen that, like, 20 times already. Like, (laughs) I'm like, and they're like, ooh, she's, like, not smiling. And I'm like, cool. Like, yeah. Maybe let's read a book. Or read the actual comic at least. <laughs> yeah. Do you? Well, get, uh, they're they're not going to if they read the actual comic and find out that that Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel right now is a is a young Islamic woman from New Jersey. They'll probably right. they'll probably be like, oh my god, comics are ruined. Yeah. But I'm also like, I'm just like, yeah, like when people get really excited about transgressive stuff that 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 is existing in 200 300 million dollar movies it's like they're just using this to make money this is just a a machination of capitalism like marvel's not marvel's not like yo we're woke man they're like they're like let's get this bread Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It does so, amaze me that people can't see that either. It's just like like it's more. It's all about making money at the end of the day. So when people put this like put a little bit a, a little, too much value to something when it's just really about just trying to just trying to get paid. I um. Yeah. You you, you saying your non enthusiasm for Captain Marvel? It's interesting because as me being a person of color, I'm black. When certain popular black films come out. Certain ones, like I love Get Out, I enjoy Black Panther, but certain movies I just kind of just like whatever, like your your reaction to it, and there's this weird pushback yeah. from all people, and like people who look like me, people who don't look like me, are just like what 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 do you mean? Do you get that right. when you when people are now oh you're a woman, you write comics, so you must be excited about Captain Marvel, right? And then when you give them that <laughs> yeah. response, are they like oh I don't know how to process this? Do do you come across that? Have you come across that? Oh yeah, sure. oh yeah, hundred percent. Sure. Um, yeah, it's annoying because it's like, it's like at the same time, like, when, you know, like, people of color are making movies and stuff, like, with Beale Street Could Talk, like, I saw that recently, and I thought it was fine. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's fine. I, I it's was fine. like, this is kind of messy, like, it's, it's pretty, but I'm, like, not crazy about it, but at the same time, like, I don't want to say anything, because I also don't want to bring down this person who's making movies that would probably not make movies if... You know, it's so hard to make movies in this industry when you're, like, a black man or a woman of color. Like, so I'm just like, meh. But I, yeah. I can't, like, be hype about it if I don't honestly like it. You're honestly, you're, it's exactly, that's exactly how I felt about Beale Street. And it's like, I saw that a long time before it actually came out because I go to Toronto every year. So I saw it okay. months ago. <laughs> And I remember being like, eh, and people who knew I was, because I really like Moonlight, so people who were there yeah. were just like, so, so how was it? And I was like, it's, it's okay, like, it's fine. And they were so like, what do you mean? And, and, and exactly the same thing. I'm not going to go on, especially not like the more followers I get now through my, my own site and through this podcast, uh-huh. I don't want to say critical, exactly, like critical things about like, you know Barry Jen- Barry Jenkins also follows me, so I, tr- I like to watch what I say. But like a D. Oh, yeah, yeah. or other like other filmmakers of color who are doing positive stuff. Like, exactly. Right. I, I don't want to bring them down. I it, I really appreciate hearing someone else say that. And yeah, to 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 hit the hammer home too about being a person of color, it's so hard to make movies. Barry Jenkins is like the perfect perfect example of that because so many people kept calling Moonlight 
his feature film debut when it was like, no, eight years ago he made a he, he made, made a, a mum- feature film. He made a mumblecore movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, yeah. It's so hard because, like, yeah, like you wanna like. I'm excited whenever people get a chance, like people of color get a chance to make stuff when yeah. they normally wouldn't. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like everyone wants to just be like 100 percent, like, yeah, this is amazing, like incredible. But like, I feel like that it like kind of muddies our critical reception of or yeah, our critical view of their work like you don't always have to be hyped for them like they can make mediocre work like it's just gonna happen and you can have that opinion and maybe they know it too that maybe this isn't their best work and that's fine and that um, anyways, but, but, it's really tenuous to just be able to make it so i'm just like you know a real a true <laughs> a true meritocracy allows everybody the ability to make mediocre stuff too yeah it's like yeah. it's like White dudes have been making mediocre movies for a very long time. Mm-hmm. For sure. We don't need a monopoly on yeah, that. that. Pretty much nailed. It. Yeah, and but also too, when it comes to the critical and criticism, like, yeah, like there's also because I feel this too. You can't say anything negative about popular things of color, or you're even even if you are a person of color or in that air quote minority group, you're you're hating. Mm-hmm. So it's just, and and that's what bothers as as a critic that bothers me the most because. As long as you're not, oh, this sucks. Like, as long as you, like, if you write, like, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand words on why something, you felt something didn't work, like, that's care in itself because you took the time to write an essay on something, even if you didn't like it, that still shows, like, I want to have dialogue about it. And when it comes to things, again, like, like Black Panther, get out, anything Jordan Peele, anything Ryan Coogler, anything Barry Jenkins, it's just, like, you have to automatically love it. Any kind of like, eh, well, this could have been. It's like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you're, you're, what do you mean? This movie's perfect. And that, that, then it becomes patronizing. Yeah. It's like giving a ribbon, you know, to like the five year old who misspelled a word, but he, but it looked cute. Like, I just, you know, I don't want yeah. anything to do with that. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's hard too because it's like also like, um, like, especially with the superhero movies, like, it's marketing. Like, this isn't, um, this isn't like a social justice movement that Marvel is making. No, and not absolutely not. Guys. Absolutely not. Yeah. And also, and like, you, you liking it isn't also a part of being a movement. Like, you're not doing something good by liking this Marvel. And, like, <laughs> and what's wrong with dialectics or dual comments that, yeah, like, Black Panther is a fun movie and has a lot of celebration and is diverse and is great but also the main story about it is a CIA dude is helping another dude stop a revolution that would help other people uh, get out of other issues like the film right. is sort the film is sort of about stopping revolution mm-hmm. right definitely it's not not so much sort of it, it, it is you know yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. like can't both of those can't we hold both of those opinions that that this movie did a lot of good things but I also wish like you know people heard Killmonger out a little bit but also that he didn't (laughs) but also did he need to just like kill off his unnamed girlfriend you know like do we do we continuously need women in refrigerators scenes just to show someone's growth or lack thereof. Well, right. I do want to, to, to counter that a little bit, though. I, I think 
the one thing I kind of enjoyed to some degree, it stops at a certain point. Well, certain fans. What was her name? Were given were given that 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 movie, and there's there's this whole thing like, oh, Killmonger was right. Like people kind of like Killmonger. There's again, a, but that's there their, are... you know the movie itself spoke loud and clear. Like he's dying, you know, at the end of this. They they gave him some sympathy and compassion. I do think the scene with his father is really good. But at, but at, at but the end, it, you know, and and they make him out to be like, I mean. We're cheering for Loki by Infinity War, and he's killed thousands of people. Sure, sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he's still probably coming back, but but they have to make sure this guy is dead. And yeah, the Champagne Sharks made a T-shirt that's like Killmonger was right. Yeah, yeah. And and he wasn't completely right because they wrote him to be sort of a sociopath, but some of his ideas were were not wrong. And um, yeah. Also, I just wanted to double back. I'm I'm glad Beale Street could talk was made because I'm really excited for James Baldwin's literary works to be turned into movies. Mm-hmm. Mm. That that wasn't my favorite of his books. My favorite of his books and possibly my favorite book of all time is Another Country. Mm-hmm. And I would love that to be like a three four episode HBO special or something. But that also reminds me, one of my other favorite books, Good Omens, is being turned into an Amazon special this year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I really hope it's good, but if it's not, I'm going to be okay. Like, stuff I used to love as a kid or as an adult gets turned into TV shows or movies that I don't like all the time. Mm-hmm. And, so, and it's okay. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't hurt your appreciation of, like, the source material. Yeah, because the, they're two different things. Right. So what are what are you working on right now? Um, I'm just finishing up my next graphic novel. It comes out spring next year. Um, it's about a group of girls in kind of like Southern California that are forced to join their school's basketball team. Um, so it's like slice of life drama. Hmm. Um, yeah, uh, it's inspired by like when I was on the basketball team in school. And also I wanted to do like um, kind of like a girl's coming of age story that wasn't just like, I don't know. I feel actually this year has been really good for like girl, like young women's stories, like eighth grade. I thought was really cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Penis yet on Hulu. It's so good. It's everything. Incredible. Me, Incredible. Me, what is it? So Pen, you remember the game when you were a kid, Pen 15? No. What's that? So I would be like, yo, yo. Sloan Sloan is in the pen club. She's she's pen thirteen. I'm pen fourteen. If you want to join the club, we just gotta write pen fifteen on your hand. Uh-huh. And then I write pen fifteen. Oh, penis. Okay. Right. Okay. So these two comedians made this show uh, produced by Lonely Island mm-hmm. about being thirteen when they were actually thirteen, which was the year two thousand. Mm-hmm. Except they play themselves, but all the actors are thirteen year olds. Oh man, it's so good! Wow, and it's on Hulu. Yeah, you liked it, Sloan. Yeah, oh, man. Okay, uh, I need a new show to watch. So, you liked it. It's like, yeah, it's like amazing because like it's so good. Well, first of all, just like there's like hardly any young women coming about movies that are coming of age movies that aren't just like focused either around trauma or around like sex with a boy or getting a period. You know, it's a very limited scope. Um, whereas like. Uh, Pen15 is incredible because it's like uh, being jealous of your best friend when they come stay over 
um, than at night, and they're like, your mom is kind of giving them more attention than you. There's like stuff with like figuring out like what masturbation is when you're mm-hmm. like 13, and you're kind of like a late bloomer. Um, yeah, it, it, it's so so funny and like so gross. Yeah, um, that's another thing. It's very gross, and I love it because being a teen girl is gross. So yeah, yeah, like like teen- highly re- recommended. The like teen dudes, we we made, we came out with a movie twenty years ago where a dude has sex with a pie. Like yeah. like <laughs> men men are gross, or like last year that came out a movie where like dude ate like a sex peach and everyone was like this is the most beautiful film I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Why can't we all? That's what what I really liked about Bridesmaids is like why can't we all be gross? Like every yeah, everybody sure. has the propensity for grossness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. I remember I read a comic. There's a comic book I really like, Lumberjanes. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, I was like, I wonder if they ever. Yeah, I think they're trying to turn that into a movie. I could see that as like a fun coming of age film. Yeah, it's cute for sure. Um, but back okay, but back to the slice of life. Have you ever? Yeah. Se- have you ever seen Only Yesterday? The Miyazaki, the not Miyazaki yeah. Ghibli movie. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that sort of shit. Just like, just re- you know, stuff that happens in people's lives. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I like. There's a lot of so like sports comics isn't a huge thing in the U.S. Whereas like in Japan, there's comics about like golf, comics about fly fishing. There's comics about cooking, like long form mm-hmm. stories. Um, and some of my favorite is about basketball, like Slam Dunk, mm. which is like beautifully drawn. That's probably one of the most popular ones. Um, but yeah, I wanted to mix that kind of like tradition with also with telling stories that are about like teen, like mixed women of color and mm. how like a lot of their upbringing is also involves a lot of the family. I feel like I feel like um like for me, you kind of you have to grow up very quickly, and you have to right. deal with like if you have siblings, like you're raising your siblings when you're like eight or nine, like you're babysitting while your parents work. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with like the traumas of your parents and how they cope with that. Um, and I feel like that's not a thing that's in stories too often about um, just like cultural responsibilities. Um, so yeah, that's kind of that's what my graphic novel is about. Plus being in like a group sport and right. collaborating and like forming rivalries and stuff like that. Sports comics sound so much fun. They're very cool. <laughs> like the only thing I can think of that's close to it is is Jeff Lemire's Essex County. But mm. but that's like hockey hockey is in the background of that. But yeah. it, but it's also it's really okay, tr- think of like so think of like a basketball game that's like like two hundred pages of like the first quarter yeah and you get to like zoom in on like every tiny like mistake every movement and like the characters like going through like the strategy of how they're playing uh, it's so it's so good it's just like so, so exciting to read I'm it's, yeah I'm so excited to read some of the stuff that we're talking about today. Slam dunk, yeah. slam dunk looks excellent. Yeah, what you're describing, like Essex County is just really sad and vaguely about mm. hockey. But 200 pages, like that's Dostoevsky level description 
of of a basketball game. That sounds wonderful. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah, you know what? Have you seen that Netflix movie? I just watched it like a couple weeks ago. I think it's called First Match. It's a girl like who joins the boys wrestling team. No, but it but yeah. it's good. It was really good. I was surprised. Um, it's directed by Olivia Newman. Oh, this looks um, good. And oh, that this movie, actress yeah. is like yeah. incredible. Mm-hmm. And the dynamic is like her dad, like she's a foster kid. Her dad's been in jail. And then she finds out that he's been released and she wants to go live with him. But he's like, no, nah, just like, he's just like, not. he doesn't want to deal with her. But she starts, the, she joins the wrestling team with the boys and her dad used to be into wrestling. He was like very skilled and he like won competitions. So then he kind of gets... He starts getting like invested in her because oh, wow. of this. Yeah, I remember this. And the trailer. dynamic is like so good. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Um, yeah, it's like Elviri Manuel is the lead actress, and then her dad is Yaya Abdul Mateen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really good. I mean, it looks it looks nice. It looks yeah. like uh, yeah, I'm putting it on my list to watch. Yeah, and it's not long, and it's like. Yeah, it's super... I mean, she's, like, a really scrappy actress. Like, she's so nasty, and I love it. Nice. <laughs> it's so good. What um, what yeah. movies... What are you looking forward to uh, this in 2019? Ooh. Um, well, I'm really excited about Us. Yeah, same. Um, I'm not sure. I'm trying to think... I have to like Google this. I haven't really thought about it. Well, why about you? I, I well, I can put uh, to put a movie on your radar. High Life. It's um. <gasps> it's really I good. I want to see it so bad. Yeah, it's it's really really good. Yeah. Is that High gonna Life, have a wide the... release or is that gonna be? It's gonna have no, a wide. No, it's what because it's a twenty four. Oh okay okay. And you got you know yeah, Pattinson and, and Andre three thousand so it's 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 got some name and Mia Goth is getting a little bit of traction especially since Suspiria and Juliet Binoche okay. is kind of a veteran so yeah it, it it's gonna get a pretty wide release. Okay cool. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty I'm pretty excited to see High Life. I'm excited to see The Mountain. Uh, friend oh, of the, the mountain, friend of the yeah. show Carlo said that we're gonna really like it. Mm-hmm. I'm friends with one. Of, I'm friends with one of the writers, so I'm gonna try to have him on the show. Yeah. Also, hi, oh, cool. hi, Doug. Oh, did you have you ever? Did you used to break dance, Sloan? No. <laughs> it's a question we we. It's we a ask. question that that apparently we've asked every guest since really? finding out one guest did, and then ever since oh, then wow, no, okay. no one else has. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so but, far, so far, mostly the answer has been no. Yeah. But you know, you never know. Uh, yeah, Mark, um, I did like jazz and ballet when I was younger, but that's about it. So, okay. so, so, yes. You know what? Yeah, I have. <laughs> nice, Marcus. Marcus, have you ever smoked PCP? No, I haven't. That's okay. Um, <laughs> Is it though? I mean, <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to say. You you know you're you're right. Um, I did. I want to see. Buy me a gun. What's that? Okay. Uh, Julio Hernandez Cordon's neo-realist fable that's been called The Florida Project Meets Fury Road. Oh. 
but but so, I'm yeah, assuming sure. I'm assuming that's by someone that likes the Florida Project, <laughs> right. not not someone who has tremendous issues with the Florida Project. Yeah, sure. Which was like like a less magical, realist um, beast of the Southern Wild, mm-hmm. which is also probably. Uh, what did I see? Oh, uh, John Wick looks fun. Oh, oh hell of course, yeah! Of course, of course. And then I, I'm liking how this is like how John Wick's kind of evolving into like more like like animal martial arts. Like they got the dogs in this one. Oh no! Is he like good, in are, the scenes fighting? Nice. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, I like this. I mean, they gotta up it. They've upped it. So I'm, I'm just with knowing all that. It's like, what is John Wick four gonna be about? Like horse <laughs> martial art? Like horses have to fight? I don't know. I mean, they have they have at least they have a they have a spinoff movie. That they're in the works of, and a TV show they're works in the works of, they're gonna figure it out. You know, yeah. like I thought, I thought, um, I mean, I thought John Wick Two was okay, but that doesn't mean John Wick Three can't be great. Mm-hmm. What was that? What was that Netflix movie that came out last year in Indonesia that was hella violent? Oh, the night comes for us. The night comes for that us. That shit was awesome. So eventually, John Wick will just be the night comes for us. In fact, they should just go go ahead. And hire that director yeah. to direct John Wick Four, along with the fight choreographer. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that was such a cool movie. I yeah, like I like action movies with a heart. Yeah. Well, the Indonesian you know scene is it's you know like the raid movies and stuff yeah. like that. It's it's yeah. Did you see the night comes for us, Sloan? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that director. I like those. I like those um. Martial artists a lot, and I like how like systematic all their like action scenes are. Yeah, it's very satisfying to watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you watch that one where it's like Gareth Evans, the one with the Apostle one uh, uh, on Netflix? The Apostle. It was like last year. No, I don't think so. I'm so excited about all the things I get to watch. <laughs> I did not. I mean, s- it's called The Apostle, yeah. and it's an action yeah, movie. Um, it is not, but there is him. It's like a horror, supernatural horror movie. Oh, that looks good. Um, yeah, it was interesting, and there, it's weird because there's like certain spots that are like you can tell like he was itching to like choreograph something, but he just has his character kind of like go through the environment in like an interesting way because there's not a lot of like hand to hand combat, but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of violence for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. <laughs> Interesting for sure. Yeah, yeah. Fun to watch. Well, okay. Sometimes that's all. That's all we so, need. That's definitely all we need. Sometimes yeah, yeah, all we need is to just have a little fun. Not, you know, I can't watch. I can't watch art cinema all the time. Sometimes, sometimes I just really need to, you know, watch an Adam Sandler movie or just watch like a mindless horror movie. You know, I watch. True. I watch so many rom coms just because. It helps clear my mind. You know, I'm in grad. Mm-hmm. I'm in grad school for social work. It's heavy. Oh, okay. It's heavy, and I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah. And I have a caseload. I have clients. Sometimes I'd need like just people smiling and laughing, and and you know, and yeah, or or reading two hundred pages about basketball. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. that totally. sounds like so much fun. Totally. Oh, you want to know, guess who's, there's someone filming here. I'm in Angoulême right now, which is like a small town in France. Mm-hmm. Oh, word. Um, and Wes Anderson is filming his next movie here. 
Oh, wow. It's called the, the French Dispatch. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend who does, like, carpentry is working on, like, sets and stuff. Um, but, yeah. Wow. Maybe I'll see Tilda Swinton walking around. Who knows? Yeah. Hey, what's up, Tilda? <laughs> what's up, Tilda? That's that's what I call her, Tilda. Till. Oh yeah, because you're like buddies. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, because like <laughs> me, well, me, me and uh, Wes Anderson, who I call Bless Anderson, because cause Bless, you know, <laughs> uh, we just hang out and eat eat funky cheese and hmm. you know listen listen to uh, listen to Numero Group uh, albums <laughs> about folk music. No, none of this happens. Mm-hmm. I've I mean, we the closest friend I have to Wes Anderson is Jared Gilman, who was mm-hmm. in, who we've had on the show twice. Yeah, who Moonrise was Kingdom. who was in Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, okay, yeah. But but I actually like I don't yeah I like Wes Anderson. Um, I think it's funny if we do like an Oscars prediction because because when this episode <laughs> comes out, it'll be next Friday. It shows yeah. you how much <laughs> how much we care about. Um, I don't even fully know who's nominated. I think I think yeah. I, I just want the favorite and shoplifters to win in whatever category there. I mean, shoplifters, shoplifters will probably win best foreign film, unless Roma yeah. takes yeah, takes Roma. both both foreign film and best film. I think Roma's got it. If probably against each other. Roma's definitely got it. But but it, but like I don't know, shoplifting, shoplifters is like, uh, like a a really special film. Yeah. But it's it's way it's way richer than like Roma. Yeah, in my I agree. opinion, <laughs> in, in our opinion, yeah, I, I I completely agree. I I I found Roma to be okay, and I think about Shoplifters all the time because yeah. because that, that movie just really really gave me a point of view that I I hadn't ever had and did it in a different in an interesting way, you know. Yeah, and that's. That's all we can ask for, but I, I feel like Isle of Dogs is will will win, will win the Oscar for something. Yeah, I don't know. You don't know. think Spider Man will? Oh, Spider Man nominated? Yeah, it definitely. Yeah, is. it is, yeah. but but yeah. who knows? I mean, it may have who been. Who knows? Out. Who cares? Yeah, that's the point. It's like who cares about this popularity contest? Like, it doesn't matter. What ma- like? It in, unless, like, it helps, you know, people make more movies about, you know, roller skating ninjas, which I don't think the Oscars is doing. Like, that that song, like, I, I imagine at some point we'll hear that song from um, A Star Is Born, you know. Yeah. Oh, I thought 100%. he's performing it 100%. at the show. I thought. Oh, I'm saying they, they I, I figured. I figured they probably are. Yeah. I need to figure <laughs> out. I need to figure out how to watch that on on the TV. I don't have cable. No. Oh, oh. No. <laughs> well, so it's. No, I guess it's fine. I no my my uh, my partner really likes award shows, so oh, okay. so I like to. I'm sure they have live cat live streams. Yeah, can. I'm figuring it out. Yeah, I like to do I like to do things where we get to just hang out, you know. So that's really more. What I it's guess about. that's fine. <laughs> um, and as as we sort of wind down, do you, have you any parting thoughts or or um, film ideas that 
that that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get into? Um, I mean, I, I don't know. Let's see. Do you guys like Edward Yang? He's like one of my favorite oh, directors. Oh, yes. Yi Yi and, you know, um, the terror Brighter Summer like, Day. Um, Brighter Summer did. Day is really great. Um, Taipei yeah. Story. Yeah, he's he's excellent. Yeah. Yes. Terrorizer is like, I think, one of my top five movies. That's awesome. And like the second movie I've watched like as much, like right before, I've watched like Man on Fire the most, mm-hmm. and then I watched The Terrorizers. And after that, I think I watched Kinky Boots the most, just because it was on TV one summer. <laughs> I saw and that on playing every day. <laughs> I saw that on Broadway uh, last week with my girlfriend and and her friends, and uh-huh. I for, like I saw the movie when it first came out, but I forgot. I don't know why I don't remember Joel Edgerton was the guy in uh, Kinky Boots because I'm a big Joel Ed- oh, I'm really? a big Joel Edgerton fan. I don't. I was like, oh, that was him. I, oh, I don't weird. know. Yeah, because I, I guess I only remember Chiwetel. That's all I remember. Yeah. And it's like really nice legs. <laughs> I only started paying attention to Joel Edgerton from Animal Kingdom on is when he really was like on my radar, and then I went back. But I was like, yeah. I completely forgot. Uh, yeah, but it's oh, that's also that's awesome. That's always nice to hear Edward Yang shout out. And yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And so, like, I don't know if you, if you like Raul Ruiz at all, but sure. also another yeah, top. Absolutely. Mostly, mostly just like City of Pirates is like my favorite mm. of his because you can get kind of crazy where it's mm-hmm. like too crazy and then you stop caring about stuff. But I really like City of Pirates. Sure, that's a good one. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's been cool. Like, I really like listening to your podcast. I like. Thank you. I like when people talk about movies and it's not like it's like a more personal expression of what how you connect with them and not necessarily just like theory based and like philosophy based because i feel like when people get too into like like well julia christiva thinks that uh the abject in cronenberg is uh this uh, and i'm like yeah, i feel like yeah. they're just searching for some sort of like ab- uh objective I, I way of seeing movies i agree um yeah and so yeah so it's refreshing to just here like you have like a lot of knowledge around it but you also have like a cool uh personal connection which is uh, i like listening to that for sure thank, thank you. you yeah i mean the personal is really what what it to me is is what makes us different from other podcasts is that yeah we're not we have some knowledge but we're not strictly trying to be academic Right. And sometimes I just want to talk about how much I like peanut butter. (laughs) (laughs) It's a valid topic. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for validating (laughs) me. I I have one question before we part, because I don't think, I'm not sure we answered. What is it that you love about Man on Fire so much? Um, what do I love? Well, I mean, the way it's filmed and compiled is like really powerful to me. Like, you know how it's, like, there's, like, lots of, like, overlapping images. It's, like, blurring. There's, like, freeze frames that kind of burn away off this off the off the screen. Uh, and then I also just, like, like, there's some killer lines in that. Do you have, like, a favorite man on fire quote? Because I have, like, a million. When, um, when, I don't know. The whole thing is just, like, so, like. That, when Dakota Fanning said, wow, you're a man on fire. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I was thinking like, when um, when, <laughs> when Christopher Walken is being interrogated and he's like, this is going to be his masterpiece when he's talking about all the damage that Denzel Washington's going to do. Yes, I love, yeah, like when he's like, I think he's 
got like a like some sort of like bazooka or something. He's like, he's like, forgiveness is between them and God. I'm just here to set up the meeting. Like, like oh, wow, I don't even remember yes. that one, but okay, wow. Oh, so good. I want. Um, what, what are some of your other favorite quotes of Man on Fire? Um, uh, I like the one where he's like. He's got the guy strapped to like the hood of the car, and I think he puts like a bomb in his butt. <laughs> and then he's like, he's like, I'm a professional. I'm a professional. Like that's what people keep saying. And then he's like, I'm so tired of hearing that. And I think he like walks away and he blows up. Or it could be the part I can't remember if it's the part where he like cuts some guy's fingers off. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those. Yeah. Uh, and like, yeah, there's another part where he's like, I'll see you on the next live, and I guarantee you won't be lonely. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that. What funny is like, so I I like the film Man on Fire, but then occasionally mm-hmm. there will be movies that I don't have strong opinions about that have great quotes, mm-hmm. which reminds me of a quote I really love from Jesus. What's the name of that movie? Um, Tom Cruise, Penelope Cruz, Cameron Diaz. Oh, Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky. Oh, please don't. Say where oh, okay, where okay, Pen- yeah. Penelope Cruz is like, I'll tell you in our next life when we're both cats. <laughs> But also, my probably my favorite quote from Man on Fire is when uh, Christopher Walken's like, "Wow, you're a real man on fire." <laughs> oh God! <laughs> yeah, that was like a great part for sure. Yeah. Or, but or like, um, I wish you had more time. 